Welcome back to another episode of Love, Life, and Legacy, starring Andrew Love and Sammy Oyama. And in today's episode, we will be talking about how to hedge your bets. So if you want to get into a relationship and have it last forever, you probably shouldn't just go and wing it, you know, just based off of emotions. You should have a lot of intentionality if you want this relationship to work out for the best. So Sammy and I are talking about some character traits that are best to look for if you're a young man looking for a potential match in this world, somebody who you can build a life with together brick by brick, um, then they should have certain qualities, certain attributes, certain characteristics. Uh, and if you're a young lady listening to this, it's helpful because Sammy and I are not just talking about what we think and what we feel. It's not a sit down. We're not drinking tea and expressing our feelings. What we're doing is we're talking from the hundreds and hundreds of people that we've mentored, counseled, case studies that we've read and been a part of, testimonies that we've heard um, from people all over the world. And these are commonalities. This is a common thread. And we want to just offer to you free of charge so that you can hedge your bets and have a much higher chance of winning in the game of love. So enjoy this episode and we will get to it. Hey y'all, welcome back to this podcast, the one and only Love Life and Legacy featuring Andrew Love and my cohort, Mr. Samuel J. Uyama. Andrew, you look like you look like a rapper actually right now. So I do. I look like LL Cool J back in the day. Mama said knock you out. You guys can't see the video. Sammy, who's my boss, forced me, this is on the record, forced me to put a towel over my head to dampen the the sound. But maybe he just doesn't want to look at my face anymore. But you'll just have to trust me because you can't see the video. But um, I will file a formal complaint to some organization for this abuse. Right. Well, I'll, you can send it to hr at org, and uh, we'll get right on that. <laughs> and it goes Andrew. directly to you. <laughs> You'll fire me. Great. Great. Entrapment. So, and today we wanted to, uh, we got a, a nice little episode for you. It's, we want to help mitigate any potential pain. Uh, we can't, Stop all fights from happening in your future relationship if you're in a relationship. But we can help you kind of put it, put the, the, the universe in your favor, tilt the scale a little bit in your favor so that you can make informed decisions on how to choose uh, the, the right woman. Because I know, I know, Sammy, I'm sure you know, a, many a man, a young man who is is trying to figure out Okay, there's, you know, I don't know, 3.7 billion women, let's just say, half the population. How am I supposed to pick one and stick with that? A lot of options here. So the question remains, how do you choose the right type of woman? Um, Because it's really important that you understand whoever you choose needs to be the right person. And not because they are perfect, but because you just close out any other possibility that you say, this is my choice and you go 100% all in on that. Yes. The this episode in particular is probably not it, it would be one of the most valuable and useful for all you single guys. So many studies have been done that show that the the quality choosing well in marriage is one of the highest predictors of life satisfaction. So mm-hmm. your overall happiness, your even down to your financial success. It's like marrying well can produce so many, have so many great fruits. And likewise, marrying poorly causes so much stress, so much, um, so much, I don't want to say pain. It sounds a little dramatic, but like... It is pain. Pain. <laughs> it's, it's really, <laughs> it, it really makes life hard when you marry, when you marry poorly. Yeah. Um, it costs, it's expensive. It costs a lot. You have to deal with a, a lot of drama broken dishes drama broken yeah so so it's and and in our personal experience we believe it's really one of the most important decisions for you to make in your life is choosing well in a spouse and for those single people who've yet to make that decision great information but even for for you married people who feel like 
oh, well, you know, I've already, I'm, I'm already got a wife. What do I do? These are really great things to nurture in your spouse, right? And, and not in a attempt to change them, but, you know, these are the, the list that we came up with, these are all qualities. They're, they're not like personality traits, right? They're, they're qualities that can be developed. And so you can support your spouse and always love them. You don't choose your spouse once. You choose them every day. You choose every time they talk, you have to choose if I listen to this person or not. Really listen to them. Every time you wake up, am I going to invest in this person or not? So yes, it's a, it's a discipline. And if you, if you can understand the larger perspective, what Sammy and I are talking about are like, you know, based off of all the people that we've helped counsel while they're going through the process of selecting or once they're already in a relationship. Because we know some people that kind of got cold feet close to the end, right? Uh, and they weren't sure, is this really the one? And they started to clam up because that's that's obviously a big decision that you're going to make. So you want to make a decision as well-informed as possible so that you can be satisfied. Because honestly, the one of the worst feelings in the world is wondering what if. What if I made the wrong decision? What if the other person was right and this person was wrong? That'll torment somebody to death. Mm-hmm. You can't have those thoughts. Because honestly, like sometimes it's tempting to have them when you're going through a tough patch in your relationship and you can't entertain those thoughts. They'll kill you. They'll destroy your mind. They'll take Absolutely. you to the gates of hell and smash your head through. But I also wanted to mention that if you're a young woman listening, um, we want to get women to do the same episode about you know, a good um, qualities for men to, to look for as a woman, like as looking for a husband. And if you are listening and you are a female, this is good to know that, you know, this is what men really want. And this is not just Sammy, in my opinion, it's also after a lot of reading and a lot of discussion with different people and a lot of counseling. So there's that. Let's just put that on the table. And what we yeah, want to be for. Sorry, you go, you go. Yeah, let's, 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 let, or I was going to reiterate what you're saying, but we could, yeah, but for women, you can work on these qualities. Like these, these are the qualities that will attract a high quality husband, right? And a guy that is, in, it's, that's not interested in these traits is not a worthwhile husband anyway. So you're filtering them out. So these are good qualities to, to try to work on developing yourself. Yeah. Shall we jump into it? Yeah. I just want to preface by saying none of them are about how many followers you have on Instagram. Just spoiler alert. We did not include that. That did not make the list. It's close. That was, uh, that was my list, actually. I, I got to cross that out. <laughs> Sammy would not have a wife. <laughs> really that was, that was okay. <laughs> Sammy probably didn't even have an Instagram account when he got blessed. There was no Instagram back then. Anyway, no. those kind of vanity metrics, honestly, are what a lot of people put value into like they think oh this is important it's completely useless so we want to get into some some qualities some attributes that are actually useful not just in helping you figure out a spouse but like somebody that can be a partner in building a life with like a vibrant life right so you can tell like the color of their hair and how cool their shoes are probably doesn't matter in 40 years from now but other things will and we want to get into those things so sammy what and these are in no particular order. We didn't write like top five and then we'll reveal the top of us came with came up with five really important points and they're in no particular order. Starting with Samuel L. Jackson Uyama, what you got? So just one of many I would say to look for is self-awareness. I think that's something that goes a really long way in a person and just someone who understands their their, their values, understands their character, understands like their goals and is able to bring that to a relationship. And, you know, your, your, your marriage can be more than about just two people getting along, but it can be about what you're going to create together. And, you know, one of the things that necessitates that or that prefet, the prefaces that is just knowing that like as an individual, what you're, what's important to you and what you want to see your life looking like down the road. And so someone who has done some introspection, someone who thought about where, where they want to see their life going, someone who understands their own weaknesses, understands their, you know, where they excel in and all those things, I think go a really long way. And so how could somebody understand whether the person they're talking to or a potential candidate 
or a spouse, whether they have self-awareness or not? Like how, how could, what are some probing questions or? Yeah, the, so, you know, in our, in our faith, uh, we've got what we call the matching process. I, I think it's such an excellent um, method for getting to know someone and finding a spouse. And then they, so, you know, the blessed family department, they've already gone through the effort of finding really great questions to ask. And, but, but the key is to like the right questions can tell you a lot about someone. And so the kinds of questions like that, that have someone have to think about themselves. So really simple, like, you know, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your fears in your life? You know, where, what are you, what are your weaknesses? Um, you know, of course, then what are your strengths? And, and, um, you can see how much someone's thought about themselves or, or is aware of themselves by the depth of the answers that they give. Just yeah. like, you know, you can have really shallow answers. They're like, yeah, I'm like really good at, I'm really organized or, you know, I'm, I'm really bad at turning the, the lights off in the bathroom or, um, and, and that's just for you to be able to, to, to evaluate on your own, like to, you know, be able to ask those kind of questions and to hear someone and to listen to what they have to say and to probe deeper. Mm. That's what I'd say. You have anything to add? Yeah. I mean, it seems like self-awareness is whether they can talk about the good stuff and the bad stuff, right? Equally. Mm-hmm. And that they can also talk about where they are at, where they've come from, and where they're going. So you're talking about a three-dimensional person exists in the past, mm-hmm. present, and the future, and they exist up and down. So that's a really good starting point is like, can they really talk about the stuff that they care about and their hopes and their dreams, but also, yeah, their limitations and their fears? And also, can they really be honest about and own up to their past, the good stuff and the bad stuff? And then mm-hmm. where they're at, in respect to their hopes and dreams and also where they would like to be and are they making progress? Yeah, and I, and I think a prerequisite of that would be just being comfortable to openly share and be honest about those things. Yeah, for sure. All right, what do you got, Andrew? So I went straight to mental stuff. So mentally and spiritually stable, right? Um, doesn't mean that they're perfect at all, but that they can withstand the pressures of life. That's really important because um, to have somebody who's really um deeply insecure or they cannot make they cannot fulfill their goals they can't be a consistent person uh and they're all over the place it's 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 so incredibly stressful to build a relationship with somebody like that cuz you just it's like every day you're starting from zero and it's hard it's hard to build momentum if there's no stability right and again that doesn't mean that they haven't had difficulties in the past. And I know some really strong marriages where one person had manic depression in their past, but they dealt with it with their family, right? They they stabilized themselves before they got into a relationship. And now with that full awareness of the past, they're creating a beautiful present and future. So just that if if there is some spiritual stuff there, like my wife revealed to me some crazy stuff that she'd been through spiritually, especially in her past. And it was shocking to hear, but I'm so glad she told me because then I could make an informed decision. And if she had hidden that from me, I would have been so angry. I would have been, I would have really felt like, like I bought a car once and the guy didn't tell me that it was a piece of garbage. He said it was great. And then I was really angry when I found out that I looked under the hood after I bought it. And I realized that it had been in multiple car accidents and he welded it together. And I was like, what is this? How did I not see this before? It's the same with people. It's like, we're not, it's not about how perfect you present yourself as. It's like, do you have, can you, can you withstand difficult times? Do you have a tradition mm. of, of being stable even when times aren't perfect? Cause I, mm. I know a lot of people who are too fragile. And if anything goes a little bit wrong, they fall apart. And like, again, then you have to start from scratch again and again and again. And that's, it's just, it's doable. It just makes a lot of extra work and a lot of extra stress. Mm. Yeah, I can really speak to that. I, I think it's one of the things I most appreciate about my wife is how remarkably stable I think she is. And just, uh, you know, sleepless nights, baby explodes diarrhea all over the crib at three in the morning. She just, she can just deal with it, yeah. you know, and, and and you know, she doesn't make a big fuss and doesn't freak out and, and in the morning still be okay. Of course, yeah, she's tired, not so full of energy, but uh, she's not like, just, you know, she, she's not a wreck about it, right? Just like dramatic yeah. and, and 
and upset or, you know, she just deals with it. Um, and I, so one I had was that ties, um, into that is to, uh, I was trying to think of the right word. What I came up with was proven. Um, and okay. What I mean by that is that they have had experience of being challenged in different areas of their, their life. And like, okay. What I'm thinking of is like, uh, they've been confronted with their values and, and what's really important to them. And, um, they've had to value their values, right? And, and prioritize those qualities that are important to them over convenience or ease. And, uh, even like with, it can, this can transfer also like faith, right? They, they've thought about you know, what is it that they believe in or what is, what is important to them. And, and also like, uh, um, strength of character, right? If they, doesn't have to be some like really dramatic thing. Like they went through some trauma and came out stronger, uh, but um, they've had to like measure themselves against something and and had to display like uh, their stability. Even like what what Andrew's just talking about. What what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just that they're not they're not going into a marriage with their parents' faith and a bunch of assumptions. Because a lot of times, if especially. Uh, you know, and to do with the blessing and, and our movement and stuff like that is it's all connected, like your faith and marriage and all that. So if your faith goes into question, then your marriage goes into question and then it all gets thrown in this blender and it can create a very dangerous recipe, like a midlife crisis kind of situation. And I've seen it happen multiple times when somebody's like, well, I I wasn't, I didn't make this decision. I just was like pressured into getting married to you and then and then it all falls apart, right? But Somebody who's, yeah, developed their own faith and are making their own choices they're, they're mm-hmm. of their own free will. They've gone through the mental and spiritual labor of deciding what they want to believe, what they do believe, and, and that makes sense to them so that they own their decision, you know, to get married to you mm-hmm. <laughs> and not somebody else or something else, some outside pressure that doesn't work out very well. That actually, what you just said, it, it ties into another one that I wrote down. So. I want to. I want to go into that. It's uh, independent. I think that's such a valuable quality in someone. And um, you know, we start out as dependent, and I think the the natural process and and cycle of life is as we grow that we become, become more independent and independent in practically in our ability to care for ourselves. Also independent in our thinking. And like we just said, we just don't. We don't just walk through life with what our parents gave us, but we we forge something for ourselves and we think about you know what's important to me. Also, like like uh, having the the confidence to to figure things out and to deal with deal with it, and yeah. and not feel like you need someone to fix your problems or to save you, right? Yeah. But you'll you know you'll figure it out. And and then then I think the the next natural cycle is the interdependence, right? We're we're two independent people that they develop the relationship where they choose to rely on one another and they choose each other, yeah. not that you need you're in need of the other and someone plays the role of the savior and someone plays the role of the saved where a lot of people fall into that trap because it, it, it's really intoxicating to feel really needed by someone right but uh it, it's it you know it does i imagine i think it will get old really quick and it's not the right ingredients for like a really vibrant relationship yeah so to have i mean they say it's it's a decent notion to consider that the best way before you get married to somebody, travel, travel with them, right? Uh, go mm. through some difficulties with them and mm-hmm. see how well they can handle themselves. But the same thing is like, I, I think it's really important for young guys and young gals at this you know, juncture in history to have kind of gone out into the world before they go in, into a, a relationship, right? So like that they've learned how to pay their own bills and, you know, be self-sufficient in some way, uh, mm whatever, whatever makes sense to you. But that, that, that pressure being able to handle that pressure of striking out on your own and is, is really important. And to have somebody else that's done that too, that's, you know, competent in life skills is like so super Mm -hmm. helpful. Mm -hmm. Cause if they just go from, yeah, being dependent on their parents to being dependent on you, then it's almost like you inherit a child more than a spouse, you know, Mm -hmm. in in, in some senses for sure. What you got? Uh, The next one is, um, strong beliefs held loosely. So this is the idea of somebody, yes, who's, who's worked on their, on their faith and figuring out who they want to be and how that fits in with the rest of the world. 
So faith really is a matter of like going deep within to figure out how you fit in the world and, and in history and making sense of all that. Um, but then always, and having a really strong foundation that like, yes, I've wrestled with some ideas. I've allowed myself to be wrong a thousand times and allowed myself to be right a thousand times. Uh, but also being willing to be open-minded enough to, to grow and to be mm. wrong a thousand more times and to be right a thousand more times, right? And not being afraid to let your faith experience challenges and to go through that and all, all with dignity and, and not panicking, you know? So to, mm. to have another person with deep faith helps so much, honestly. Like mm. on, my wife and I, we've, that's the one thing that's really kept us together. Truth be told, uh, at the start of this year, we had the worst month we've had in a long, long time in years. It's just like riddled with sickness and stress. And I told my wife straight up, we were like fighting a lot. And I was like, the only thing keeping us together right now is my commitment to the blessing. And it was like really harsh and she was shocked. But it was true. Like my faith that what we do within our relationship is a microcosm of the world. So if we break apart, how can we expect anything to stick together? right? So even when I can't even like have a conversation because I'm so angry at you, I still believe in love over the long term. I believe that I can love you no matter what. And it turned out to be true, right? Uh, without that faith, we could have we easily separated a, many times, right? We have so many differences, but our faith, our common faith has, drives us forward so that we don't ride on the first emotion that we feel, but rather we kind of fall in line with our the long view of of what we believe and the fact that we both have that allows us to like keep pace with one another you know what i mean if it was just me that's faithful and she's always struggling oh man it'd be like dragging dragging a body with me everywhere i go mm. like a ball and chain and uh, the second part of that i think is really interesting the like loosely held part like um the implications of that are like willing to learn new things update their their information or update their beliefs based on whatever new information comes. Yeah. And I think that's an indicator of one, like humility is one. And also um, the confidence that, uh, that your beliefs, they're not attached to your identity, right? That beliefs are just beliefs and they help you. And the most, ac the more accurate they are, the better. They're not something that you, that you squeeze onto as hard as you can because who you are as a person is dependent on them. Yeah. Right. So just the willingness to, to go into that scary territory of re-exploring, you know, what does the world mean to me and how do I fit into it? Yeah. And doing it in a, in a reasonable way. Right. Cause I know a lot of people that it's just honestly in this world, it's very inconvenient to believe in God because most celebrities don't, most cool musicians don't. And it's, it's annoying sometimes because a lot of things about religion are extremely uncool and countercultural, <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean that they're not true and it doesn't mean that they're not going to serve you well in the long run. It might not serve you well in a conversation sitting around the coffee machine at some, you know, I don't know, office function, but, or at school when your teacher's spouting off against some atheistic stuff, but at the same time, um, playing the long game in that respect and finding somebody that's also willing to do that too is so important because all those haters and all this cultural stuff that we deal with, that doesn't matter for crap when you're really sick or when you're really happy or when you're having a baby. The only thing that matters are how you're able to manage the good and the bad and um, respect others and create a life of meaning and value, right? And so it's it's just really important that somebody has faith that um that they've worked on, but they're not, yeah, like Sam said, they're not attached to to the point where they they won't budge because that's when you become too orthodox and rigid and then it stops being something that serves you and it just becomes this I don't know, it becomes this religion just becomes like this safe space from the rest of the world. Religion is isn't meant to be used as a place to escape to. It's meant to inform us so that we can help change the world and make it a better place, right? We're not meant to escape the world. We're meant to make the world a better place. So if your religion is not doing that for you, you either don't understand it or it's, it's not serving you well. So, 
Yeah. What you got? There's one, one, there's what, well, this is one you said that I think is really good. You said, um, having a reasonable tolerance for stress or risk. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Just, uh, life's very uncertain and there are, there are time, I mean, ho- hopefully not regularly, but inevitably there are times when you just go through crazy situation and it's like really stressful situation or, or maybe not even that just in, in the normal day to day stuff. Like someone that just gets stressed out about, you know, they they can't find a good parking spot in Walmart <laughs> or they, they, they like make a big yeah. deal out of that. That's like, that's something to look at. Right. But, uh, and, and like, anyway, likewise, you know, we're talking about not, we're not talking about what to avoid, but it's something that goes a long way. Someone that, you know, they're able to handle stress well, or yeah. like they have a high capacity for it. And same with risk. Thresholds are really super important. Um, because at scale, like over time, uh, stress only amplifies the older you get, the more responsibilities you have. And if you can't take it and your threshold is very small, it just means more stress. If you have the tradition instead to expand your threshold, then you'll be able to handle whatever life throws at you. And so that when sickness comes, when there's some financial pressures or whatever, that you can handle it and it'll make you stronger if you have a high threshold. And that, again, takes experience. It takes maturity. It's, it's character maturity. Because the other thing is risk tolerance too. My wife and I, we started a business together and we have totally different risk tolerance <laughs> levels. <laughs> and, she, uh, and it caused a lot of stress. That was a, one of the worst years ever for me uh, was the year that we started business together because we, we didn't have this conversation and I wish we did. So um, sometimes people are very careless and they, they don't mind living a very risky life and they don't plan for much and they're fine with that. For other people, it's could create a great deal of anxiety. They need to plan everything. So to understand that where you fit into that and also where they fit in and whether it's similar thresholds, because then you'll be creating a similar life together. But if it's too right. far apart, if it's too disparate, it's like it's very stressful for both people. Right, that's, that's well put. Yeah, because uh, one of the qualities of, yeah, better than what I said about just across the board having a high tolerance risk because uh you know something that goes hand in hand with that w- it w- is high risk taking behavior which which is not always what you want right Doesn't so just pan out. Under- <laughs> understand the threshold and where you stand and where they stand and, and like a, a reasonable balance between the two yeah what else you got um you know looking at this list this kid this can be pretty general you know we we're meant to go we're, we're setting out to create a list of what to look for in a wife but uh i I, th- I think a lot of what we covered so far can go both ways. It's just general what to look for in a human being. I mean, you could, this list is good for a spouse. It's good for like a business partner, good for friendship. Yeah. Um, something specific to like a wife that comes to mind is um, somewhat like uh, looking for a woman that's comfortable with their femininity, comfortable being a woman. You know, I, I think a lot of what today's world asks of women is to actually be men in some ways. Like uh, either there's no like dignified feminine, not there's no, there's very, very few examples of dignified femininity. You're either, uh, being a woman either means being objectified or it means being a man, right? If you want to be taken seriously in business, then like those are the, the rewarded traits is that you're like, uh, assertive and, um, you know, like a go-getter or, or whatever it is. And, and a lot of things that, um, might go counter to not all women, but some women's disposition. You know, there's generally feminine traits, and and anyway, whatever wherever you wherever a woman lies on, you know, their their femininity spectrum, just they're they're comfortable with that, and and yeah, they allow that they they are able to express that in a in a healthy way. Also, yeah, I mean, I know uh, a lot of people are asked to repress their the sensual nature of their femininity ninity during their formative years just to avoid disaster getting into you know relationships ahead of time and so they really like uh they become ashamed of their bodies they have body image issues and that's a huge thing regardless like just in society in general there's like a lot of body image issues for men and women but especially for women um and so to yeah to be comfortable in your own skin right um i am this kind of woman 
and to be okay with that. So this is my body. Uh, it's a gift to somebody, right? If you view your body as something that you lament, then it in many ways becomes you're giving somebody all those insecurities. And I can say clearly, I've read enough studies and I've experienced it in my own family. When somebody doesn't like their body or they have a bad self-image, it really directly impacts your children especially. Because every time they see you insulting yourself, they, it diminishes the value that you have for yourself and that your kids pick up on that and they, they see themselves as not being attractive either. It's, they, they mimic that. So to have, yeah, like a sense of I am a beautiful woman as defined by me, what I believe a beautiful woman means, not pressured to be a man like this or a woman like this, but like a true woman, you know, a true woman. That's, that's really important. Men pick up on that. They pick up on when people are being fake. And some men like fake women. And those are men who don't want you to be you. And that's not something you can build a relationship on. But like a man that will really treat you with respect um, needs somebody to really respect themselves first, right? I'm sure it goes both ways. But since Sammy and I are both dudes, we can say it with you know great assurance that um, when, when people respect themselves, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to respect them. I had a very practical because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's like um, homebody versus nomad, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because I grew up a homebody. I didn't really travel that much. We went on vacations every year, like the same place every year. <laughs> For 12 years, we went to Florida every summer. Uh, so I never really grew up traveling so much. And then I married a nomad, a straight nomad from the last living nomadic culture, the Mongolians, right? So it's in her blood to move every two years. And then um, that was an issue for her and we didn't even know it, but it was in her blood. She needs to travel. And then I just started to side with her and now we travel a lot. But if I was really uh, more attached to getting a job where I go to the same place every day and, and all that, uh, it would be be horrible for her. Luckily, I've found a situation that works because we can travel and I can work. But if you don't know that about the other person and one person wants to travel the world and the other one just wants to find a nice little, you know, a nice neighborhood to invest in and be a part of the PTA and, and you know, wants to be, you know, involved in the Girl Scouts or Boy Scout, whatever. Uh, that's a huge difference. Trust me. Because one person will be daydreaming about traveling the world and the other will just be dreaming about the kind of, you know, sandwiches they're going to eat at the next town hall meeting or whatever, well, right? The, well, the, the, I mean, that, the garden that they're, getting, they're growing or maybe yeah. the canning class that they're going to do. And... Yeah, they're just longing for home. Whereas some people, I'm starting to realize, like some people need a physical home in order to feel right. They don't feel like a healthy person unless they have a home to come back to. My wife and I, our home is honestly the world. And we're lucky. We're very rare people. But um, this is actually a big thing that I've noticed happening a lot, especially in the era of Instagram, when travel photos are all over the place and people are jealous about traveling and they want to travel all the time. It's not for everybody, for sure. It comes with stressors and um, it's just a different type of person. And so it's really good to have that kind of conversation about and to be fine either way. Both are fine. It's just different wirings, you know? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's that's like a really good example of the that's category we came up with. It's like fill in the blank, right? It's just like being aware of knowing what kind of person you are, and then a set, and then what kind of person the other your you know your counterpart, your spouse is in that area. And if you can, if you match well, if you can come up with some sort of compromise, it's like you don't have to match across everything. I'm yeah. um, like traveling and um, staying at home, being a home buddy. It's one really important area to look at. Um, but you know, the, like people are different in so many ways, like, um, like the way you get energized. So what I discovered this year between my wife and I is that for, for her just physically leaving the house, she, she needs that in order to feel invigorated. If she's just physically in the building all day, she just gets zapped. She needs to go out for a walk. She needs to go to a cafe, meet a friend. What doesn't matter. She just needs to physically leave the, the building. And that like really invigorates and energizes her. Whereas I'm the exact opposite. Like going out is fun and all, but like I do that, that's an expenditure of energy. Mm-hmm. And if I want to, if I want to energize myself, I stay at home and, you know, we can have people over 
all right, what, and have a nice time, but like, I need to physically like be in my environment. And that's like my, my form of recharge. And it's just, it's interesting, you know, and, and this is an interesting discovery that we had this year. And, th- you know, it doesn't matter that we're completely upset. We, you know, we just, it's helpful to know and we work with that. So I really, I really honor the, um, her, the, the request that she makes when like she wants me to watch the kids so she can go to a cafe for an hour. Cause like she really needs that. Just staying at home all day with the children is really hard for her. And, and there's a, there's a million other different things, right? That what kind of person are you? What kind of person are they? And just being aware of how you can work together in that area. Yeah. Those are all negotiable. Like if, if you have, if you represent a unit that's like one inch and the other person represents a unit that's one inch, there's got to be a certain amount of overlap in order for it to be compatible, right? If it's like too far apart and they don't overlap at all, it just causes stress. It doesn't mean it's unmanageable, but if you're like that in pretty much every category, you're just like going to be stressed, <laughs> so stressful until you mm-hmm. can find a way to make it work. And this is the funny, the, it's the saddest in reality, but funniest in terms of like how ridiculous our culture is. Those are the things that people focus on last in our modern society. They'll have sex with each other first because they like the same music or are at a show or whatever. Um, and they like the other person's jacket. Oh, that's a nice jean jacket. Let's have sex. So then, then they do that. And then they have no idea how incompatible they are in every single area. So it's like it starts off fiery and then it ends very cold. We're talking about the opposite, which is where you find out these things first. And that leads to intimacy is getting to know somebody. And then eventually when the time is right, when all the stars are aligned, then you commit and then and then you have some of the greatest sex known to humankind. That's called playing the long game, right? Yeah. where we look at, you know, where do, where do we want this relationship to be in 20 years from now, 40 years from now. And just most people don't think about relationships in those terms. I mean, like they're, they're just taking it, seeing how it goes, testing it out. They're not thinking maybe even like a six months from now a year. They're not, people don't even think that far. It's just like, it is, I like how it is now and, and it's good enough for me. Yeah. Disaster. And so I have one more, one more official one, which is, it's like the optional one with that. Yeah, it's an optional one. Take it uh, with a grain of salt. But it's, again, it's not just me inventing it. It's marrying somebody from another culture. Because I believe that, uh, you know, especially in the Western world, despite what what the media is saying right now, I really believe that most, the vast majority of people are so accustomed to other races, that's not really an issue as uh, people of other races, right? Um, What's much more challenging, but also rewarding is somebody from another culture. And let let me explain this. Like when I got married to my wife and we would get into a fight and my, my venom, if I'm at my worst, I start being sarcastic. My wife has no idea what sarcasm is. And so it would land flat on its face. So the worst of me couldn't even get to her. <laughs> I couldn't even like, so I was utterly disarmed and it, it just totally dismantled the whole argument. And then, you know, it was beautiful. But then I realized that she doesn't understand any of the shows that I watched growing up. And that used to be frustrating because I'd be like making these pithy jokes based on Seinfeld or whatever. She had no idea. And that ended up being such a blessing because I don't give a crap about any of those. That's just like data stored in my mind that's doing nothing. It's useless. Trust me, it's cultural garbage that we've inherited. And she doesn't, she doesn't kind of meet me halfway with that stuff. So we're coming on the basis of stuff that, that means a lot more than, hey, you remember, remember when we were five and we watched Little Rainbow or you guys probably don't even know that. I'm, I'm an old man. The reading, I know, Rainbow. reading Rainbow. Yeah, the reading. Yeah, Rainbow. that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> with Jordy LaForge from Star Trek, uh, stuff like that. Like the fact that you know that I know that it, it creates this bond, but it's on a very superficial level, and that's where most of us exist most of the time. Is cultural, you know, we we consume the same media, we've seen the same stuff, same music. Hey, Nirvana. My wife has no idea who Nirvana is. You cannot understand how liberating that is to me as a, as a person because it's useless. I don't care. It doesn't, it, you know, but you know what? The, so the things that we do engage with 
are so much deeper. And she brings a totally different perspective on everything, which obviously brings its challenges, but over the long run is so much more rewarding because we can raise children who are so much more well-rounded culturally. So long as I respect her culture and she respects mine, then they get two cultures. That doesn't always happen, right? If I just say, oh, your, your culture is wrong, mine is right, then my, carrot, my kids, my carrots, they, they don't get the benefit. But it's, I gotta think... Watch out for those carrots. Yeah. Make sure that... <laughs> we tend to hang out with people like us. And culturally, that means it's like, especially when you're choosing your spouse, it's so much easier to think of the people you know. And it's really scary to consider somebody from a totally different world. Um, and it's not easy, I'm telling you, but it's so much more rewarding. And it makes you a bigger person. You don't know how limited your perspective is until you marry somebody who sees the world from a totally different angle. They see stuff you've never seen before. You've never even considered. And it challenges you. But it also, if you can open your mind and heart enough to see from their vantage point, you say, wow, some of my thinking is fundamentally broken. And I had no access to another perspective until I married into it. Yeah, that's two, there's two things you mentioned that uh, if being from different cultures, it, it forces you to focus on the things that really matter. Yeah, I think that that goes a long way. You, you can't fall back on the comfortable topics. And it's the same with my wife and I, you know, like she, Things I grew up on, Simpsons, Arthur, Jackie Chan Adventures, you're like totally <laughs> foreign to her, right? It's like, same with her, right? There's all these Korean things that I have no idea about. And uh, it is actually fun to, when the, when the times are to share those things with one another. And sure. it's like, to, it's nostalgic when, when she'll tell me about like these, these funny jokes that they would do in, in elementary school right? Or like these songs that sing. And I love hearing that. I love hearing about that. And yeah. she's interested sometimes to hear about, you know, things I liked. And uh, then the other thing was the uh, perspective. That, that's huge as well. Just the, you know, there's like 7 billion ways to see the world and to experience the world. And you've got one. So bring, you know, teaming up with someone who's got, you know, a very different way of processing things that just, you cover more bases and you can become that much more rounded. And I, yeah. I think... So, you know, it's not the worst thing, but, you know, maybe the boring, most boring thing you can do is marry someone who grew up in the same town, went to the same school, got the same summer job as you, Yeah, you know, and, and studied the same thing. And uh, yeah, it's like you've got, you have the same perspective, basically. And, and, you know, there'll be differences, of course, like family cultures. It's rare that two families have the same culture at home as well. Right. But uh and so this culture thing can play on different levels. You know, the people who grew up in big cities, who grew up in small towns, who grew up with lots of siblings, who grew up as only children. And all these things give you a really unique perspective that can be valuable to experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's really, I can see that, you know, if you look into the world, it's, things are becoming polarized because people are only consuming the information that they're comfortable with. And when you have a group of people doing that, then they just, it drowns out the potential of, a, of an honest conversation. But like the whole, you know, True Father, Reverend Moon talked about this, like when you marry enemy country representatives from enemy countries together, uh, you know, if they're really strong and they have a strong foundation of wanting to see a positive outcome, then what you do is you just start to brick by brick take down the barriers that enables that that disables people from being able to see each other as people right like you just see all oh, like korea and japan right they were always at war and they were just like they dehumanizing each other oh that's not a person that's a japanese or vice versa right and so he started marrying them together and uh, i can really see it that as a western person i think i'm open minded until my wife starts talking about oh, the kids are sick. Here's how we help people get healthy again in Mongolia. And I'm like, you do what now? Uh, that's not science, <laughs> right? It's like, no, it's not science. It's just been working for thousands of years. How long has it been working in Canada or America? It's like, uh, we've only really had access to this kind of science for about 30 years, but it's pretty accurate. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, right? So it's just like, it's uh, it, obviously it, brings challenges, right? Because, but at the same time, it's just so cool because 
it just rips your concepts in half. So you have to be willing to have your concepts ripped in half periodically and to be, and to be totally wrong. Cause we play a game called, am I crazy or are you crazy? Where for any major disagreement and we see the world differently, we know that one of us is way off. Uh, it's very rare that it's like a, you know, the symbiotic mix. It's usually she's way off or I'm way off. And that's really educational. You know what I mean? Especially in terms of like health and stuff like that. But uh, I would just say it's very valuable to spend time with not diverse. I mean, that should be a given that you're hanging out with a rich, diverse, you know, set of races, whatever. That's, that's fantastic. But what's even more informative is hanging out with a rich, diverse cross section of cultures. That's when you're like, that's when your mind really expands like crazy. You know, people, I mean, first that, generation I think, immigrants from this place or that, or you go to their country and it's like, wow. That's like the implication of like why people say, oh, you should have, you know, multiracial, multiracial friends. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the skin color. You know, that, that's just like what you're looking at. It's actually about the culture that, 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 that the implications of where they're from and what they've experienced. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's just a, that's an aside that I, I thought was really important because it's, it's come up and I, I see that like, um, I had a really good conversation with this guy, uh, who's now in his sixties and he was like, you know, when he was really struggling with his wife, he would just want to have a conversation with a, a, a Western woman who really got him. And then he realized that that was almost like an emotional affair that, he just <laughs> was so frustrated because his wife didn't get his cultural references, but it's when he was being a baby that he wanted to be really understood, you know, by a woman in that way. So definitely it's not always smooth sailing, but uh, it makes you a better person. It makes you a stronger person. It makes you a, a open, more open-minded and open-hearted person, in my opinion, to marry somebody who's totally different from you. And yeah, like Sammy said, cultural doesn't necessarily mean from another country, but that's just a given when they're from a totally different society. Um, but mm -hmm. culture could also mean, yeah, city versus country, California versus, I don't know, Detroit, <laughs> different type of people. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more? No, nah, we went through, and I think maybe it's a good time. We actually came up with a things to avoid list, but maybe we we'll leave that for another episode. We're running long in the tooth here. Okay. Yeah, so we hope this is helpful. We'll keep on, you know, scratching at finding the best ways to help you show up prepared. Because the point is that um, no decision is a perfect decision. You can't know everything about your spouse and whether they're absolutely perfect for you before getting married, before committing. Because to be honest, they don't know themselves 100%. None of us know ourselves 100% because we're always evolving. But what you can do is make an, an as informed opinion as possible. And based off that, say, I have enough facts. I'm going to go forward with confidence and just commit 100% to that. Um, when you can do that, things will work out. No worries. You can get Yes. To then commitment, that, that, that word just flew, flagged me. So when you make that decision, when you're committed, I mean, you got to be all in at that point. Actually, Andrew, you mentioned this earlier in this episode about uh, like, you know, once you're committed, then you just got, you can't, you got to give up that, oh, what ifs, you know, how yeah. the danger of, you know, could I have done better? You got to throw all of that out the window. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, we hope this is helpful. Um, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get a perfect bullseye in all likelihood. And, but it's fine. You know, the, the relationship you're in is perfect. And the most rewarding thing you can experience is to make that relationship special and an and incredible experience. Yeah. How about there's no such thing as born perfect. There's no such thing as perfect from the start. There's only the perfection of process, right? The process is what makes something perfect because it'll never be perfect or fully formed because everything is always changing. But the process that you go through of being committed to making things as good as possible, that can be perfect, right? Just in, in appreciating what you have. And in order for that to happen, you really have to close off any possibilities. And in order for the, you to comfortably do that, you have to do your due diligence ahead of time. But if you do that, honestly, it's, it's possible. This is not like, we're not speaking from some crazy psychedelic, you know, we're not on an ayahuasca trip talking about our experiences. We're like living it. And we're also modeling what we're talking about from Uncle David and Mitsue, from the people that we're plugged into that are living this stuff. 
that you will experience many more highs and longer lasting and the ultimate high of oneness if you go through what we're talking about. You can chase after these little highs, you know, the porns, the hookup culture, all this stuff, but it's proven to lead to more isolation, more loneliness, more disconnection and all that. It's, it's just proven. People kind of know this intuitive, intuitively and now it's, you know, statistically true, but there's still the temptation to not go the difficult route because it doesn't give immediate joys all the time on demand. You got to work for it. But in the end, it will lead you to the ultimate joy. Uh, We can say that with certainty. Right. Thank you. Hope you guys got a lot out of this episode. And we'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here. And I just wanted to add one more point. High Noon is a nonprofit organization, and we are run by donations. And although we've been doing okay, thanks to the massive generosity of our founders, the Wolfenbergers, we want to expand higher, 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 higher. We want to make a global impact. We want to reach every family. We want to change the culture. And for that to happen, we're going to need a lot of volunteers and a lot of staff. That's just the reality. It takes money to travel. It takes money to do a lot of the things we do. And we want to let you be a part of this growth. And so what we've created is a donors club, which is a $10 a month club. And when you join, you get a t-shirt mailed to your door. You can get some exclusive content. And we also have some really good goodies for our tribe of people who are part of the donors club that we're going to talk about in the coming months. So I just wanted to invite you to be one of these people. Everybody can afford $10 a month. It's just a matter of whether it's a priority. So if you feel High Noon has impacted you positively or your family or somebody you know, please consider donating. I don't want you to give any money unless you really, really want to. But if you do want to, I encourage you to really, really donate. So $10 a month is, I don't know, a cat a month. I don't know how to measure it. It's a giant hamburger and french fries a month that you can sacrifice in order to help this world become a more habitable, more enjoyable, more connected, more loving place. So please consider joining our donors club. It's just $10 a month. We look forward to seeing you on the inside of our secret society for donors. Have a good day, everybody.